Welcome to the intersection of faith and the culture. It's Wall Builders Live, where we're taking on the hot topics of the day from a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach and a former Texas legislator. Normally here with David and Tim Barton. David Barton's America's premier historian. Tim Barton is a national speaker and pastor. And uh, we typically have guests during the middle of the week, and then you know later in the week we have our Foundations of Freedom Thursday program and our Good News Friday program. But sometimes we like to bring you special programming. Sometimes it might be a presentation from our Legislators Conference. We have a lot of great speakers that come to that Legislators Conference. And then other times we want to share with you some of the courses, some of the programs that we have at Wall Builders to give you a taste of, of the information that's out there for you that you can share with friends and family. And what I mean by that is some of these courses are designed specifically for you to invite friends and family over to your house, pop in the DVD or go onto the streaming site and watch it together and then have discussion. I- I'm telling you, there's something special that happens when you do that. It gives you a chance to have fellowship. It gives you a chance to get together with people that are also concerned about the direction of the country, that want to restore biblical values. Uh, there's so much that you can do locally. You can be the catalyst for a restoration of biblical values and constitutional principles. And this week, that's what we're doing. We're giving you a little taste of our new program this year that we created called Biblical Citizenship in Modern America, literally applying the Bible to what it means to be a citizen in this system here in America. It's actually an eight-week course that you typically would do, you know, pick like a Monday night and do that with your friends and family or Sunday afternoon at your church. Everybody, you know, get lunch and come back over to the church and and do the course. But it's normally eight weeks, and you're going to spend about two hours each week together. You'll watch about an hour's worth of video and then have great discussion together. Um, So it's a great way for you to get involved. That's all available right now at wallbuilders.com. You can get the Biblical Citizenship in Modern America, DVDs, workbooks, all of those things. You can also join us on Monday nights with a national class we're doing right now where everybody's invited to come together on Monday evenings, and we actually have a live class going. So we watch the videos together, and then we take your questions, and we're there to answer them, and we have special guests on. Kirk Cameron was with us a week or so ago, Pete Hexeth from Fox and Friends, uh, David and Tim Barton. You just never know who's going to show up on one of those evenings. But that Monday night class is free, and you can go to biblicalcitizens.com right now and sign up, biblicalcitizens.com. Today, we are bringing you a taste of that, and it's actually all this week we're doing what is normally week four in the Biblical Citizenship eight-week class. So today is is uh, part two of that week four program. I know that sounds confusing, but it's going to take three Wall Boulders Live programs to share with you all of the week four video content from Biblical Citizenship. And we started yesterday. We're going to pick up right where we left off yesterday, and then we'll get the conclusion tomorrow. Let's dive in where we left off yesterday with Biblical Citizenship in Modern America. Establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare. Well, I guess you could tell Rhett was having as much fun as uh, as you and I have. Well, so were you in the background right. watching Rhett. So you're you had right. a lot of fun too. We love teaching those principles from that very room. Now, before we get to the the thirty thousand feet, and by the view, way, I think that was the third thing was to teach the rising generation. I think that's the third objective. There you go, the getting those little guys in the there. That generation. is the rising generation. So in our next chapter, we'll we'll get the third thirty thousand feet view on the Constitution itself. But before we do that, some more on these seeds of liberty. Yeah. Rhett was doing a little bit. He did four principles yeah. out of the Declaration. You go further in a, in a couple of other paragraphs there and yeah. broaden it out. To six principles. Yeah, Red's got some really good application, like the free market systems they showed there. there there's so many good things there. Um, let's go back and, and back up just the overview of the, of the Declaration because it's 
National Birth Certificate, but there's 155 words up top that set forth six immutable principles. Okay. Those six principles are followed by 27 grievances and then the declaration that because of these principles, the violation of them, 27 different categories, we're now going to become a separate nation. So when you look at those principles, let's just take clauses out of those 155 words because this is the essence, this is the key. By the way, this is what you've working on with other states uh, with the Celebrate uh, Celebrate Freedom Celebrate Week. Yeah, Freedom sure. Week is to get them to learn these kind of principles. So yeah. what you've got They'll just is get into the founding documents. Get into the founding documents. Real simple stuff. Yeah. So you have the clause in the declaration that says all men are created equal. They're endowed by their creator. Now, what does that tell us is our first principle, that there is a divine creator. Now, right. today we're told, well, you can believe that, but not everybody believes in the creator, so that's why government can't take a position favoring religion over non-religion. That's what the courts have told us for these 40 years of judicial activism. Yeah. Uh, wait a minute. That document, it says that it's the unanimous declaration of 13 states of America. That doesn't sound like private individuals talking. This is the unanimous declaration of all the elected officials from those 13 states sent to the Continental Congress and later on. This is on, what we agreed on, right? Th this, I mean, this is what brought us together. This, this basic is our philosophy. public declaration yeah. to the world of why we're doing what we're doing. Why we're doing what we do, because we in America believe there is a divine creator, and that becomes the first step in limited government. You cannot have a limited government if you think the government's at the top of the, the pecking order. Yeah. If government's at the top, then what limits it? There's got to be something higher than government. If there's nothing higher than so we said, hey, there's a creator that's higher than everything, and that's why government is limited. It doesn't get to do, it's not the creator. It doesn't get to do everything the creator does. It's below the creator. Yeah. So our thing is, all right, we're, we believe there's a creator. We've been created, and the creator gets the right to tell his creation what to do so government listen up and that so, one principle has a huge impact on what kind of nation impact. you're going to be it's a huge yeah. impact uh, you you find me any secular government in the world that's a limited government can't do it it's an oxymoron you cannot find it france greece maybe china no we can't go to cuba uh, can't do sweden can't do norway uh, can't do chile can't you can't find a secular government. If God's government. not in the equation, government has to be even bigger. Government is even God. More that's, yeah, that's a great, great that way to it. put it. Yeah. There, there will be a supreme authority, and if it's not God, it will be government. Yeah. So if you, if you don't get the declaration concept right, that God's at the top, then government thinks it's at the top, and therefore, when it gives you a right, it can regulate that right, it can repeal that right, it can take it away. If God's at the top, if God gives you a right, government, you keep your stinking hands off that because it doesn't belong to you, it belongs to God. It's a jurisdictional issue. Good. So that's the first point. The okay. second point is based on that. It says they're endowed by the creator with certain inalienable rights. So number one, not only is there a creator, he gives us a certain set of rights. These aren't given by government. They come from the creator. Therefore, government, these don't belong to you. It's, you know, you and I both live in Texas. I, I'm a cowboy, got the ranch, got all the stuff, and I got the pickup that goes with it. And I got <laughs> But a, no cowboy hat worn here today. Not I'm on saying. this. Not, not here. Very I've often on the ranch. That's right. Times. Yeah. I like my pickup. I got a red Ford pickup. And I've looked over at yours, and you got a gray Dodge. <laughs> I don't like gray. I'm going to go over and paint your pickup red because I like red pickup. I can't do that. Yeah. I don't have the jurisdictional authority to go over into something that doesn't belong to me and change it. And that's what we do with government. Say, hey, government, these rights over here. They come from God. They don't belong to you. You didn't give them. They come from God. Therefore, you cannot go over there and mess with them. Same way I can't go mess with your pickup. I may not like a Dodge, may not like gray. Doesn't matter. I don't have the authority to do anything. To that your changes pickup. everything it when changes you really everything. think about the authority. Because a nation without God, that government has the authority to do anything they want. Because, like you said, they're God. You choose any other nation in the world that is secular. And, and you know, in Germany right now, they literally. It's a crime to homeschool your kids because you're not you're not the one over your in America We've held for generations a position Supreme Court articulated in, in a case called Pierce versus Society Sisters Mine, Nebraska That's the fundamental right of parents to direct the education upbringing and care not of the children. state. It's the not parent. the state 
But over there, no, 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 parents, you belong to the state, the kids. In Scotland, we were talking to a guy recently who said in Scotland, from the time you're born, every kid is assigned a government official liaison oh, to the I state. I remember that on our radio That's show. Right. Yeah, I started thinking about it. Imagine that if every kid's assigned they somebody assume the that state every kid belongs to the state. Them. That's right. Yeah. Every kid belongs to the state. Therefore, we have to assign you a government mm. official the time you're born, time you come to this earth, you don't belong to your parents. Wait a minute. We believe you do. We believe that the parents are the Lord because God made the parents. So the these initial principles really matter in they your in your day to day make, life. They it's not just huge. books and you know old documents. This this impacts and, our and lives. And it's not today. just well. If you believe in God, that's fine. That's your private belief. But don't bring it in public with you. If I don't bring it in public with me, you don't have a limited government. You're going to lose all those. You're going to lose freedoms. all the inalienable rights. So that's the second point. Okay. The third point is very simple. It says that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. Now we have the purpose of government. Purpose of government is to protect inalienable rights. Those God-given rights, government exists to protect those God-given rights. Now, significantly, government does not exist to make sure we all have a job or that we've got a great economy. Government exists to make sure that we have a certain set of rights that nobody can violate, nobody can take away. Now, once we've done that, and if you do that, then you will have a prosperous government. You will have a limited government. You will have freedom. And with freedom, we, we take off. I mean, we're gangbusters with freedom. We invent things. We find things. We discover things. We're entrepreneurs. Uh, this 4% of the world population in America boosts more than 96% of the world every year with inventions and, and patents and everything else. I mean, we're more creative because we have more freedom. Because this formula because that Right there. So you're saying, so, so government is there to protect, not provide. It's there, oh, no, it's there, it's there to pr protect you, and then you go out and earn and produce. If they will keep thieves off my back, I will go and take my ideas. If they will keep somebody from stealing my ideas, I'll go, and I'll, I'll create a McDonald's in every corner. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll create a Walmart in every city. If you'll just keep people from stealing my ideas. And if just that principle was taught today, we wouldn't have government growing so much because we've shifted that now. We think government's job is to provide us with every little need that we and have. And the more it provides, the less prosperous you become because the less initiative you have and the yeah. less creative you are. Government's not creative. It is never creative. Government doesn't discover things. They don't file patents and cures and whatever. Right. You know, they have monopolies if they keep the private citizen from doing it, but they're not the creative source. So yeah. that's the third principle. Okay. Fourth principle says, and to assume among the powers of the earth a separate and equal station which the laws of nature and nature's God entitles them. We'll talk about this more later. But that told every person in that generation that there is a fixed moral law. There are certain laws you cannot cross. And they are called the laws of nature and nature's God. Now, we don't know what that means today, but we'll show you literally the books where the Founding Fathers took that phrase, what it meant, how they understood it. But there are certain absolute rights and wrongs. We live in a culture today that says, well, if it's right for you, it's right for you, but I don't think yeah. it's right. And no, you can't have a culture that says, you know, well, rape is okay sometimes, but not okay. And, you know, theft is okay if it's for the right reason. You can't be Machiavellian that the end justifies the means. You know, rape's okay sometimes, theft's okay sometimes, and, you know, a white lie doesn't hurt anything. No, you got to have fixed rights and wrongs. Perjury is not okay okay if it's for a good reason. You can't perjure yourself under right. oath if it's a little while. No, you have to have fixed absolutes. But if there and is what no moral them. law, then, then anything then you goes, are. right? If there's no moral law, it becomes anarchy because I will decide what is right and then wrong. Then I get to decide what's right for me. You and if I have a, if my AR-15 has 30 shots in the mag rather than yours that has 20, I'm more right than you are. Depends on how good of a shot you are. Oh, no, that's true but, too. It's true. <laughs> but I get your point. No, that's exactly right. I mean, now there's no fix like you said. Those John Quincy Adams said at that point, you have the law of the tiger and the yeah. shark. That's where gangs rule. That's where guys with, with the biggest fist rule. Yeah. That's not what you want. You have to have fixed moral laws that nobody can transgress. You don't cross these laws. The fifth thing you have from the Declaration says, government instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Now, what, what you get with this is what we call the consent of the governed or the will of the majority. This is, there is nothing in the Constitution that ever allows anything smaller than a majority to win a vote. 
unless you're in the U.S. Senate today, and because of the filibuster, 40 beats 60 every time. Founding fathers opposed that. That's why they did not allow filibusters. Was the rule of the majority. Now, this is point number five, and it comes only after you've said there are inalienable rights and only after you've said there is a fixed moral law. We don't get to vote on whether rape will or won't be a crime because that's part of the fix, that's part of the laws of nature, nature's God. Yeah. We don't get to vote on, on whether you're going to lose your right to keep and bear arms because that's an inalienable right. The right to defend yourself is a God-given right. God gave it to you, not the government. We can't vote that we're going to take that away from you. So the consent of the government is good when you talk about do we want the sidewalk to be four feet wide or five feet wide or six feet wide? Do we want the speed limit to be 45 or 55? Or if you're in Texas, 85. <laughs> you know, that's what we can do on yeah. the consent of the government. But we can't cannot vote on inalienable rights or fixed moral laws. That's the principles of the Declaration. And the sixth principle C is... Consent of the government doesn't overrule those, those basic right. truths. And, and, and government those exists to protect those truths. Yeah. And, and with those truths, we can have a civilized culture and move forward. We so get it doesn't away from mean we truths. just put our finger to the wind and no. whatever's popular at no. the time changes those fixed points. That's now, not... we can put our finger to the wind on sidewalk sizes right. and speed limits, but we can't put our finger to the wind on moral laws and on inalienable yeah, rights. that's a great point that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it's the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and institute new government. Destructive of what ends? If you get a government that does not do the first five things, if you get a government that says there is no creator, uh, the creator does not give you certain guaranteed rights, government does, we don't exist to protect those rights, and by the way, there is no moral law, there's no rights and wrongs except what we tell you to do, and there's no consent of the government, we will decide what you, if you get a government that won't uphold the first five things, it says it's the right of the people to alter or abolish it and institute new government. That is the sixth principle of a government. We have a lot of changes that have gone on in our constitutional government today, and they didn't happen by the people. The president, by fiat of one pen, decides he's going to change the government. The, the Supreme Court decides, we need to make policy. We don't like that legislative body across it. You cannot have the branches going in and redefining their it's roles. Violating the first five it's principles. violating the first five principles. Yeah. The only way that we get the success, prosperity, freedom, liberty, everything we enjoy is those first five principles. And because government comes from the people, if those first five principles, which are our needs, are not met, then we can start this thing over, or we can pass constitutional amendments, 27 of them. We can change our government, however, but it always comes back to us. You can't have any branch change itself. And the great thing for us, we can actually do that in, in a peaceable means in our oh, yeah. nation. We've been Absolutely. given the tools to alter or abolish government. We do government. not have to have revolutions to do this. Yeah, or a revolution yeah. with ballots instead of with bullets. See, that's, yeah. that's the revolution we need, because at this point in American history, based on, on national statistics, only one out of three Americans vote in presidential elections. Only one out of four vote in non-presidential elections, which means, uh, since it takes a majority, with one, only one out of three voting presidential elections, that means that half of that one out of three chooses the president, which is about 18 percent, wow. 17, which means five out of six Americans are not choosing the president right now, and seven out of eight Americans are not choosing their governors. But they're living with the consequences. They're living with the consequences. Yeah, it's impacting You want to have a revolution? Show up at the ballot box and say, I've had it. I'm not going to be part of that five out of six that don't vote for my president anymore. I'm going to vote for my president. Here's what I'm going to get. And when we decide to do that, we can have an easy revolution. Quick break, folks. We'll be right back, and you'll get more of biblical citizenship in modern America. Hey guys, we want to let you know about a new resource we have here at Wall Builders called The American Story. For years, people have been asking us to do a history book, and we've finally done it. We start with Christopher Columbus and go roughly through Abraham Lincoln. And one of the things that, that so often we hear today are about the imperfections of America, or how so many people in America that used to be celebrated or, or honored really aren't good or honorable people. One of the things we acknowledge quickly in the book is that 
the entire world is full of people who are sinful and need a savior because the Bible even tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And yet what we see through history and certainly is evident in America is how a perfect God uses imperfect people and does great things through them. The story of America is not the story of perfect people, but you see time and time again how God got involved in the process and used these imperfect people to do great things that impacted the entire world from America to find out more go to wallbuilders.com and check out the American story we're back here on Wallbuilders Live thanks for staying with us today let's jump right back in where we left off here's biblical citizenship in modern America the, the six principles that are very simple here is one there's a divine creator two inalienable rights come from God three government exists to protect those rights four there's a fixed moral law five you have the consent of the governed below the moral law and inalienable rights and six is if we don't get these five things we can change it till we do so that's that's now the we, six we mentioned where some of this comes from back in right. Philadelphia we talked about that uh, Richard Henry Lee mentioned that uh, John Locke's two treaties of government had a huge impact yeah. on Jefferson okay this is the coolest thing you've ever given me actually I have to admit you loaned it to me, but possession's nine-tenths of the law. <laughs> I've right. had it for about ten years now, so I'm, I'm claiming attorney. it, but someday it'll be, go back. Let, let's hear you go argue that in court, attorney. Come on. All right, this is John Locke's Two Treaties of Government. This is, I believe, a 1784 version or 74 version, if I remember right. So so this is Locke. That's and, a 1774 Oh, version. you got me beat right there. The, the, the dueling Locke books. So tell us more about Locke, though, because I hear a lot of people say a lot of negative things about him, and if he was such an influence on the founders, then that means they weren't religious guys, they didn't believe in God. What, what can we One learn One of the things you know for sure about Locke, and political scientists have documented that he was one of the three most frequently cited individuals in the founding era. Founding era goes from 1760 through 1805. In that era where we're establishing and operating our first constitutional government, he's one of the top three guys. Now, so if he, we want to really understand the document itself, mm -hmm. we need to know a little bit about the guys that, a lot he, about the guys that gave it. He is the guy in the 1760s and 1770s. He is the guy quoted most often because that's the age where we did the declaration. Richard Henry Lee, you mentioned, he said that they, quote, copied the declaration from those two treatises of government. Yeah. Now, that's why in American public schools prior to 50 years ago, in government class, you would have read those two treatises. Really? Because that's where the, how can you study government and not know where it came from? Well, you read this. You will not read this today. And as you know, your version there is an inch thick, mine's three quarters an inch thick. They're both less than 400 pages long. Yeah. This book cites the Bible over 1,500 times to show the proper operation of civil government. Now, now let me do the math here. That's got to be, what, three, four times a page? Three, four times a you, page. So you can't go a page without reading the Bible, and yet we're told these guys and, didn't respect and we're, the Bible. We're told they didn't, and we're told John Locke is a great deist, that he was one of the leading deists. You know, yeah. weird thing about Locke as a deist, I wonder why he did this little book right here. This is called the Commonplace Book to the Bible. You open this up, and it's uh, the Scripture's sufficiency practically demonstrated. Now, wait a minute. What's a deist doing showing us that the Bible applies to every aspect of life? Yeah, I mean, think it, it practically demonstrated. So he's saying this is how you use the Bible. This is how you use the Bible in your life. And a deist today life. would not do that. No way. And, and so he talks to the reader and how applicable this is. And then he goes into here. And what he has done is he's taken all these verses out of the Bible and put them in categories. So the, the duty of a believer with respect to humility. Uh, the duties arising from religion relating husband and wife. Uh, duties, religious duties toward God and affliction and persecution. I mean, you take any category and you just put the Bible verses together. Why would a deist do that? Yeah, if you thought it was some watchmaker God that steps back and has nothing to do with us, you wouldn't be applying God's Word to your marriage. To your and marriage, all these everything. Other and, and see, that, that's the thing, is because he is the guy who had such a great impact. 
because he had such a big impact and because he is so religious. Oh no, he, he's, he's a deist. You don't need to read his works in government class anymore. So uh, uh, to show you how far we've come in our thinking, even as people of faith, I was recently with a group of about 500 pastors and I said, how many Bible verses can you guys think of that deal with government? Less than 10 in the room. I said, here's a little book right here with more than 1,500. Wow. And he does say it is the scriptures practically demonstrated the sufficiency of the scriptures. Bible applies to everything. And the founders knew that. And as a matter of fact, that's why if you look at the Declaration of Independence, those rights set forth in the Declaration, historians have documented that every single right set forth in the Declaration of Independence had been preached from the American pulpit prior to 1763. The Declaration of Independence is nothing more than a list of the sermons we've been hearing so in church. So they weren't, the church was not applying government principles to our life. The church was applying the Bible, and that got reflected in, in our government, government principles. principles. So if it was getting taught from the pulpit, it showed up in our government documents. This guy right here, a guy named John Wise. John Wise, um, historians like Clinton Roster, the, and actually Cornell University, he was such a great historian, award-winning historian, that they have an endowed chair of history, the Clinton Roster Chair of History, a great historian. And he went back and said, you know, the American thinking was so different. No other nation did what we did. France didn't do it. Spain didn't do it. Portugal, Italy. No other nation So we had to be wondering why. Why? Why would we do something different? And his question, who, what were the six greatest intellectual forces in shaping the thinking of the founders? He went through and identified six greatest, and four of the six were preachers, and he was one of them. This guy right here, now these are his sermons from 1710 and 1717, and you'll find that by 1680, now he's a preacher in Massachusetts, you'll find by 1680, he had looked through the Bible and he preaches a sermon, where, well, looking at government in the Bible, it's very clear that God's preferred form of government is the consent of the governed. I think I've heard that phrase before. He looks through here and now he this says... this was when? This was... This is 1680s. So this is 100 years before. 1680s. And he's already talking about consent, consent of the, the government. government. Okay. And a hundred years before, he says, you know, there is a creator, and he's created all men equal. And he's given them all the same set of rights. Wow. 16 days. And, and he goes and he says, when you look at what the Bible says about taxation, it is very clear that taxation without representation is tyranny. No kidding. Right here. So this is, I mean, when we say seeds of liberty, he was literally planting a hundred years before what would bear fruit That's it. Well, in, let, in our founding document. Let me show you how significant this was, because he did this in 1680s. Tell me what the date of publication of that is right down there. Oh, I have to read Roman numerals. This is going to be difficult. Okay, so this is, this is 1772. Is, is it 72? I was going to say 52, so that's 72. Okay, 17, so, 17, so the founders then, in their era... You know who the Sons of Liberty are? Yeah. All yeah. right, who are the great Sons of Liberty? So that was uh, Sam Adams started Sam it, right? Sam Adams and John Hancock okay. and James Otis and all those guys' sons... They're the ones who they reprinted this his sermons and distributed across America, so <laughs> Americans would know how to think going into this conference. Okay, so wait, so this, so these are sermons preached a hundred years before the Declaration. The founders themselves reprinted his sermons, Sons of Liberty, to help educate their generation to get them thinking on, on right principles. So, okay, this gives me great hope because that means if they did it, if they could do this two hundred whatever years ago, reprint re-educate, bring these things back to light, then we can do the same thing today. Absolutely. We bring these documents out. We That's educate right. a generation. They come back to these principles. We and, bring and, them. And remember that principle number one, and it's demonstrated through here, but principle number one of the Declaration, there is a Creator. And if you don't recognize the Creator, then you've got trouble. Now, this is the other thing we get today. The Founding Fathers, atheist, agnostic, deist. It, really? You know, let me, let me take something right here. This is, you tell me, what's the, what's the name at the bottom of this thing? George Washington. George Washington. This is his first ever called a prayer in America at the federal government. That is Washington's... Se 1789. 
This is going to be October the 17th, 1789. He calls the entire nation to honor God. Now, why would Washington do that? He gives the answer right here in this first paragraph. Let me, let me just put it up. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll show you what's in this first paragraph. Washington is now calling the nation to honor God. Why would he do it? He says, it's the duty. And notice the word duty. Uh, that's a word that is a big, important word. We don't talk about it much today. Military yeah. still gets it. A lot of the rural people know what duty means. I built houses for a long time. I, I had hundreds of thousands of dollars change hands. I never signed a contract in my life. I'd walk into the bank guy. We would talk about the terms. We would shake hands on it. Neither one of us would break wow. that contract. That you have a duty to keep your word. Yeah. I don't need it on paper. I've got a duty. And today so that, you hear duty and people think, oh, responsibility. I, I, well, I don't that's want it. that. Yeah. See, duty in his day is a legally binding contractual obligation. Hmm. In 1913, the, the definition of duty was reduced to a responsibility. And today's dictionary says it's that which one ought to do. Well, that's not the yeah, same. It's a a choice. Sounds like a choice. A choice. Instead of this is what you do. So what he's saying is a legally binding contractual obligation of who? Of nations. Legally binding contractual obligations of nations to do four things concerning God. Number one, to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God. Number two, to obey His will. Number three, to be grateful for His benefits. Number four, humbly to implore His protection and favor. And that's what nations are supposed to do, not individuals. So they believe this philosophy that you have to honor and recognize God. As but, a but, but this is just the father of the country. I, yeah. I, mean, what is, I mean, he's one of the great deist founding fathers, which is what we're told in school today. But he's today. obligating the nation. He's, he's obligating the nation. The nation has the a nation, to do The this. nation, yeah. not individuals. The nation has so all this stuff about official acts and oh you can keep your religion at home and you can talk about God but don't even have a you know public day of prayer remember when our, our governor Rick Perry couldn't even pray with people in Houston yeah because, he it, because he's governor he's not allowed to pray with people because it's official exactly what we want is official prayer see that what's that proclamation for Thanksgiving it's handwritten it's done by a guy named John Langdon Oh, he's the governor. Const oh, wait a minute. He's the signer of the Constitution. Constitution. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you mean a governor can't have prayer? Here's a governor who's a signer go. of the Constitution. So the signer of the Constitution thought it was the right thing. You've also got Samuel Huntington. There, there's a signer of the Declaration. He's a call to prayer. He's now governor of his state. He calls the people to so prayer. So this is an official act an official from act. a governor. Here's one from Oliver Wolcott, another signer of the Declaration, another governor of his state calling people to prayer. Um, here's one from... John Langdon, governor of the state. Now, this is, you know, that was handwritten. This is, this is called a broadside because they would nail these up to trees or they nailed yeah. it up side of bars. Evidently, somebody nailed it up and you see the part missing. And tore it down, look. <laughs> and, and here you've got John Hancock. I mean, here, here's his. I mean, e even behind us. We got all these things behind us. You know, if I, if I go to this one right here, pull this one out. You know, you'll, you'll recognize the guy there. Who's, who's at the bottom? So we're back to the Sons of Liberty. So here's Sam, Sam Adams when he's governor. When he's governor. Okay, now, this, so this kind of ties it together for me. So Adams reprints, he and others reprint John Wise. So there's the principles from a pastor 100 years earlier. Now he's in an official capacity, and he's basically reiterating those exact same principles exactly. from John Wise. And that's the first principle of American government is you have to have something higher than government, and it was God. All right, friends, we are out of time for today. We're going to get the conclusion of this program, Biblical Citizenship in Modern America. It's week four of the eight-week series. It's taking three Wall Builders Live programs to share it with you, and tomorrow we will get the conclusion, so be sure and tune in tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Wall Builders Live. We stand undivided forever,